0: We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world, and we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button, because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Today's guest comes to us from New York via London, via sydney they are an actor writer musician podcaster and creator of the website filmed live musicals is working on the consortium of american stream theater but most importantly they are a bookish sprite with a charming and cheery disposition and honestly how can i not want to talk to a cheery and charming sprite it gives (laughs) me great pleasure to welcome to the show louisa Lyons. hello louisa
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem. Um, I start every one of my interviews the same because we want to know who you are. So we're always looking for a 30-second bio of Louisa. So who is Louisa in 30 seconds?
1: I I feel like you just did it in the intro. Uh, I was born in Australia. I grew up watching musicals with my grandmother, watching VHS of, you know, classic movies from the the fifties and sixties, the golden age of, of MGM and Hollywood and fell in love with musical theater. When I was 10, saw my first live stage production, which was a chorus line and said, I want to do that. (laughs) And, uh, actually took a circuitous route to becoming an actor. I studied English and history in my undergrad, and then, uh, long story short, ended up in London, studying musical theater at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. And on the way to drama school, I met my husband in the US, we worked at a summer camp together. And when we met, I told him, this is not a, this is not going to be a long term relationship. I am, this is a summer fling. I'm not interested in long term, long distance. And 10 years later, here we are. (laughs) Uh, So I moved to the US and shortly after we moved to New York, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia at the age of 29. And uh, it was horrible, horrible experience. Uh, I couldn't, you know, I was immune suppressed. I couldn't eat takeout, couldn't ride the subway, couldn't, and most importantly, couldn't go to the theater. And I had written my thesis on filmed live musicals while at Central. And so I had this list of musicals I could watch from home and I decided to turn that into a website and, uh, fast forward and here we are. And I've, I've built the most comprehensive website of a database of stage musicals that have been legally filmed and made available to the public.
0: Very cool. We're going to talk about all that stuff for sure. And you've had the (laughs) longest summer ever. It seems 10 years now and counting summer fling. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: If, well, you know, it's funny when we moved, when I moved to America, we, Aaron was living in Colorado and I arrived right in time for the polar vortex. Oh, folks Remember that. And the plane landed from London and the the stewardess said, uh, welcome to Denver. The outside temperature is minus 20 Celsius. And everyone on the plane (laughs) was like, take us back to London. So I have endured. uh, Although I have enjoyed summer love, it has been many cold winters.
0: (laughs) Sure. When was the last time they had a polar vortex in Australia? Um, The ice age, maybe. Never. (laughs) 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 I,
1: I had never experienced below freezing temperatures until I moved to the UK, and I'm I'm a runner as well, and I like had to learn how to run in sub-zero temperatures.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, i I talked to a guy in Australia periodically and yeah, he's never seen snow. <laughs> like yeah. I, you can have some of ours. Like sometimes there are days, just take it. We have then, to manufacture have our
1: snow. We do have snow fields, but uh, it's a lot really? of it's man-made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow.
0: There's a place I want to get to at some point. It's like the farthest point in the world to get to, but uh, maybe one day. Cool. It's beautiful. Oh, I want to take it back um, to, to, to when you were younger. Were, were, obviously, you were into musicals um, when you were younger, but were you the black sheep of the family, or did you have a family that was very artistic or, or into theater and musicals?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I I wasn't really a black sheep in terms of theater. Every, everyone in my family loved theater. My grandparents... Uh, were grew up in the Philippines and uh, came from Spanish background and so they performed in Satsuelas growing up and so opera and music and theater were a very big part of our house and my mom was a ballerina when she was before I was born Uh, so we grew up it was just always around like we it was just part of our DNA part of our culture and a lot of people in my family are performers not in my immediate family uh, apart from my mom, but um, yeah, it was always kind of around. I think I was the black sheep in terms of being a huge nerd <laughs> 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 i I have a rare mix of loving performing, but also loving research and writing, and uh, I think that made me a little bit different from my immediate family. <laughs>
0: So it was in your DNA almost from the sounds of it oh, like yeah. being a being a, an, an artist of some kind.
1: Oh, yeah. Incredible. My great grandfather was a concert pianist. My mom was a ballerina, like I said. Um, and even if they weren't performers in my family, like everyone in my family loves music and theater and musicals. Yeah. And, you know, my grandmother, my a vivid memory of my grandmother is every Saturday morning she would be blasting opera while cleaning the house. <laughs>
0: And, and and you know, it, and that it makes you wonder. You know, the nature versus nurture thing. Like, I'm the same way. My family has an artistic background and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe there it is a little combination of both. But I think nature. You know, it's in the DNA somewhere as well. So.
1: Yeah, we we can't help. It. My sister is a um, a journalist and a, and she uh, does presenting and. You know, we can't help ourselves. We, we like being in front of people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you said when you, you, you um, were older, you did uh, English and history, correct? Um, That's so, right. So what type of uh, history did you take? I'm always curious. Uh,
1: mostly Australian history and also uh, women in history and uh, a lot of war history, actually, like um, World War Two and Australians' role Australia's role in in those conflicts.
0: Nice, and, and naturally that is the perfect progression in musical theater, um, <laughs> in London. So so how how did you get from you know the English and the Australian history to you know going to school in London for musical theater?
1: Well, my mom had been very insistent while I was growing up. I knew from when I was very young that I wanted to be a performer. And because of her life in ballet, my mom knew how hard it was. And so she was very insistent that we had to have a backup plan, that I had to have something under my belt that wasn't theater. And um, I chose my undergrad because it was across the street from NIDA, which is the National Institute of Dramatic Art. It was, it's one of the biggest drama schools in Australia. <laughs> back then, there were, I say back then, but it's not that long ago, but it's, it's kind of funny how much it's boomed in the last 10, 20 years. Um, there were like two drama schools in the whole country and <laughs> that, that was kind of it. Um, so I I had chosen UNSW because it was across the street from NIDA and I'd always loved English and history and I did well in them in school and so that's what I ended up majoring in. And then I went, after I finished co- my undergrad, I went traveling with my boyfriend at the time and spent almost a year like traveling through Europe. I walked across Spain. We, we did the Camino, which is a 500 mile pilgrimage across mm-hmm. Northern Spain. And it was an amazing experience. And we worked at the summer camp where I would eventually meet my husband, but um, that boyfriend at the time we were engaged and I was like, planning to become a Montessori teacher like I it was kind of a very different life and then that engagement uh, ended and I had a a year of being oh what am I doing with my life who am I what do I want and came to the realization that I really wanted to pursue performing and I knew I wanted to live overseas as well and saw an audition for central and I thought that looks cool and kind of auditioned on a whim (laughs) and fell over when I got in. I couldn't believe it because it's such an amazing school and such an amazing program that was really cool because it combined performance with research and very few programs do that. So I packed my bags and skipped off to London.
0: (laughs) I'm curious about this research aspect of, of of the school. What did that entail? And how did that work?
1: We wrote a, um, a thesis, a thesis, We, we got to do research. Part of the coursework was, um, understanding theory and understanding history and combining that with performance studies. So we did, you know, we had dance classes and singing classes and acting classes, and we did a show we did Sunday in the park with George, um, oh so beautiful (laughs) and uh and and alongside that we were doing this original research to try and like advance the field in in musical theater and something that always makes me laugh is that musical theater was like the when you talk about black sheep like musical theater was a separate program and we weren't allowed to mingle with the acting student the straight acting students Um, it's 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 interesting to me how musical theater scholarship was not taken seriously. I think that's changing a lot mm-hmm. in recent times, but uh, certainly when I was at Central, it was, it was deemed a separate world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that's, you know what? I think most um, students who are in musical theater should have to take some kind of course like that because to understand your craft, you have to know your craft. And you know, it's great, you can, have, you can be the most talented singer, actor, dancer, whatever, but if you don't understand why or the hows or where it came from, you're just limiting yourself. So I think that's a fantastic thing they had to offer.
1: It was fascinating. And I had gone there intending to write my thesis on something to do with Australian musicals. I had briefly run a podcast when I, uh, toward the end of my time in Australia about Australian musical theater which is like, was just absolutely burgeoning at that time. And it's exploded, you know, since then it's, you know when I was growing up, we were lucky to have one or two musicals a year. And now there are, you know, dozens playing and that just, it wasn't the case when I was growing up. And it's really exciting to see how much it has exploded. Uh, I wish there was more Australian work. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other thing, <laughs> tangent. Um, <laughs> but so I had intended to write my thesis on Australian musicals in some form. I, I didn't know what that was going to be. And then while I was at Central, a group of friends and I went to see a cinema screening of Company filmed at Lincoln Center, the New York Philharmonic production with Neil Patrick Harris, Patti Lapone. Stephen Colbert, a whole bunch of others. And before the screening, there was an interview with the producer, Ellen Crass, And she said in this interview, she couldn't get funding for the film or she'd had trouble getting funding because no one had heard of filming a stage musical. And I sat up in my seat and I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I grew up watching Into the Woods on VHS and Victor yeah. Victoria. And I was baffled, like, why hadn't people heard of this? It was, it was totally a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, the next day went in and changed my thesis to filmed live musicals. Wow. Because I was just like, how can this not be a thing? And it was really fascinating doing the research because I discovered there's so much resistance to the idea of filming theater and filming musicals in particular and, I came, but I came up with this historic list of, at that time it was about 80 shows that have been, that, that I was able to find. Mm-hmm. And then over the past 10 years, it's just exploded. And then the last two years specifically, like with the pandemic, this whole, I, I never imagined when I, you know, decided to change my topic that day, <laughs> what it would become.
0: Very cool. So we'll talk about the website um- that you created um but let's go to summer camp first <laughs> <I'm> so, <sure. laughs> so because we want we have to figure out how you got to 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 the states to take this to the next level so you went to summer camp you met your your future your future husband which is fantastic um was it an easy uh idea to move to the states or um you know was there is there a big difference between you know sydney and and london and colorado <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I was so fortunate, first of all, to be able to go to London, because I was there pre Brexit. And I I also Mm. have a Spanish passport. And so I was able to live and work in London on my Spanish passport. And like the timing of that, I just couldn't do that anymore. It's just not possible. But I'm so grateful I had that experience because London is such an extraordinary city. It's so beautiful. It's so walkable. And it's just got such an amazing history. I would pinch myself like I would walk through a park and I'd be like, this is where Virginia Woolf hung out and like that just it blew my mind I, I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, but when Aaron and I decided that we didn't want to do long distance anymore, we actually looked into bringing him to London hmm. and discovered it was like completely unfeasible with the cost of the visa and everything. And We we at first we didn't want to get married. We were like, we wanted to be together, but we we didn't want to get married. (laughs) And when we had looked through all the options of how I could live here, you know, we discovered, oh, the easiest thing to do was to get married. And so we applied for the visa and oh my God, it took over it nearly took it took nearly a year for the visa to be approved. And it got held up because I, I went for my interview and I had this like giant stack of papers like proving who I was and where I'd been and that I, I our relationship was legit. Like I had photos and I mean, it was crazy. And the amount of paperwork, it's just, it's nuts. And got to the interview, they like went through every single piece of paper, like stamped it, they cross correlate it with something else. Yeah. And they get to the end of the interview and they say, well, Ms. Lyons, everything looks fantastic. But we need your police certificate from Australia and I was like what what?" (laughs) and I had to I was meant to provide a police certificate showing that I wasn't a criminal in Australia and I had to wait I had to apply for this certificate and wait for it to be shipped by snail mail from Sydney to London (laughs) so it's like it was a very stressful horrible period waiting for that to come and then Uh, it finally came through and I I moved over to Colorado and my husband was doing his master's at uh, Colorado State in Fort Collins. And I'd never heard of it when when we met. I was like, what is this place? And I'm so (laughs) glad I got to live there. It's this beautiful mountain town and they have a great theater scene there. And I immediately, literally three days off the flight, booked my first gig. (laughs) got to do the Tempest with open stage theater and like just fell in love with the people and the place and living in the U S is completely insane. (laughs) It's it's, it's infuriating. I bang my head against the wall every day at how crazy the systems are and how expensive it is and healthcare and all of that. But also I love it so much. The, there are a lot of systematic problems, but there's, you know, there's just so much opportunity here that I wouldn't have had where I was.
0: For sure. Well, and, and thank you for telling us about the, the visa and everything, because I, I like to have on this, the podcast, not just musical theater, but to help people who need visas to move because of marriage. It's, you know, I, I want to provide as much information to our listeners as possible. So
1: it's so hard. And I, you know, I, I feel for people applying during COVID and post 2016 I know that it became even slower and harder and the bureaucracy is it's awful to navigate it's it's really like you know I I think about people who are seeking asylum or who are refugees and you know who come I have a very cushy circumstance like I was Mm -hmm. I I'm very 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 lucky I wasn't fleeing war I wasn't fleeing persecution and when I think of what those people have to go through, the hoops you have to jump through to move here are immense. And I I get really angry when people treat people who are seeking a better life with such disdain and such contempt because they've been through hell to get here.
0: It's true. It's true. Let's, let's talk about your website. Um... Sure filmed live musicals um, you mentioned briefly in your bio uh, how it started but let's could you uh, you know expand on that and, and tell us a little bit about the website itself
1: Sure uh, so like I said I started it after I had been diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia um, I went through 11 rounds of full body radi- radiation three rounds of chemo and a stem cell transplant and yes it saved my life Thank you everyone at Memorial Sloan Kettering <laughs> and my sister for being the stem cell donor um it was really debilitating um I lost an octave in my singing voice I lost all my hair which I actually didn't mind being bald I love being bald <laughs> um, I lost my fingernails and toenails fell off one by one like just at a myriad of horrible side effects that left me really depleted and like fetal on the couch a lot of the time And I needed things to do uh, to occupy myself and to not be miserable and depressed. And part of that was running. Uh, I ran five marathons uh, in the years after my treatment and ran my fifth marathon on the fifth anniversary of my transplant because I'm a total sucker for (laughs) Um, (laughs) self-torture. But then I also built filmed live musicals and spent time uh, researching each show, researching its history, why it was filmed, who filmed it, when they filmed it, is it available now, is it available on DVD, is it available online? And, uh, you know, several years later, the database now has over 160 shows. So it has information on all of those shows as I, all the information I just shared and, you can search the database by, um, if it was filmed on Broadway or off-Broadway, West End or regional. And eventually I wanna add more search functions so that you can search by like artist and that kind of thing. So it, it's ever growing and I have a to-do list a mile long of things I wanna do to make it even better. Um, and I also have a backlog of over 300 shows to add because the pandemic has exploded what is available, yes. which is really fantastic. Um, but it's also a lot of
0: work. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. How, how many of the shows have you watched?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Many. <laughs> <laughs> not all. Not all yet. Yeah. Uh, some are not available anymore, like the really early ones, which is mm. such a shame. The early shows that were broadcast on, BB, on the BBC, um, Magyar Melody and, oh, what's the other one called? Um, Me and My Girl. And there's another uh, under your hat. They were oh. all filmed, broadcast live from the West End by the BBC, yeah. and are they didn't uh, save those recordings at that time. They they weren't able to record them as they broadcast them, so they um, they're lost to time, sadly. Wow. But yeah, uh, there's yeah there's a, there's still a lot on my to to watch list.
0: <laughs> Which what what one have you watched that you know? people might not know of that they really should see. It's a particular favorite. They just went, I didn't know about this one and everybody should know about it.
1: I wish that it's a recent one, Wise Children. It's Emma Rice, who is the former artistic director of the Globe, Uh, she, um, when, when she was dismissed from the Globe, she created her own theater company called mm-hmm. Wise Children. And their first production was called Wise Children. It was based on the book. And I just was obsessed with it. It was so beautiful. It was released very briefly during the pandemic, during the initial shutdown. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was such an amazing, like gender bending, um, nonconformist. Uh, really, f- and theater-based uh, story, and it was just such a great capture as well.
0: Nice. Is, is it all um, English-based, or is there a l- other languages uh, for the live shows?
1: I've started delving into languages other than English. Um, I have a couple in the database already from Russia. Mm. Those, there's, there's some more to watch. Uh, there's a production of Anna Karenina that is just crazy it's so opulent and epic and the costumes are stunning there's like an ice rink at one point like it's the scale of it (laughs) it's beautiful and they also have another one count or love by the same company um and I've got it there's some from Korea and I don't know if they're in the database yet but I have them on my radar Mm -hmm. um shows from Japan as well
0: Oh. And all these shows, are are they free to view? Are there some of them pay-per-view? Like, how, how, how does it work? Do you-
1: oh, it's a total range. Some are free, just, you know, available on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, Often <laughs> the YouTube ones are not entirely legit um, in that they're all, like, so like Pacific Overtures, sometimes mm-hmm. Pacific Overtures was filmed in the 70s, actually for distribution on Japanese te- television. Oh. And yeah, I... I would love to delve into the history of that some more because I think there's a story to be told there of why Japanese investors and producers wanted to film American Broadway shows for um, distribution on Japanese television. There are three shows that I know of, uh, Pacific Overtures, The Will Rogers Follies, and Victor Victoria, and only Victor Victoria has been officially released in the US. or outside Japan but uh, Pacific Overtures someone has taken that footage and uploaded it to YouTube and it's not great quality it's very grainy Um, so there's shows like that and then it ranges from everything from like you know pay a few bucks to rent it for 48 hours to you need a subscription to one of the like Broadway HD or digital theater to be able to access it so it's a real range, and then a lot of shows are also available on DVD and Blu-ray. Very cool,
0: very cool. So let's talk about the other thing where, you know, we kind of met and, and learned more and, and talked about, the Consortium of American Streamed Theater, which sounds really grand and, and frightening, but tell us a little bit about it and, and what it is and, and how important it is, because I, that's why I came on board. With it right at the beginning, or is it the beginning? I, I don't know. You'll have to tell us.
1: Yeah, it's it's we're at the beginning. We're at, we're at, something is starting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Paul Gordon, the composer of Jane Eyre and a uh, Broadway's Jane Eyre and the Off Broadway Daddy Long Legs and the Regional Pride and Prejudice, he reached out to me on Twitter last year and was feeling really frustrated by the barriers to streaming in the US, to filming and streaming and the cost of it and how prohibitive it was for union shows. And he was really frustrated and wanted to do something about it. And to fast forward a little bit, he and I, and he he's very good friends with david goldsmith who is also a composer he's worked in the west end and broadway and in hollywood and uh, we par- we teamed up and said okay what can we do what, what can we do to to make streaming more accessible and easier and more affordable for people and so we created cast the consortium of, or consortium of american streamed theater And our goal is to make theater more accessible, affordable, and, um, oh, what's the third? Accessible, affordable, I'm blanking. One sec, (laughs) it's flown out of my brain after looking at it, you know, 24 seven. Exactly, and it's that new, right? (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) but uh,
1: Uh, give me one sec, sorry.
0: No problem. Uh, But I think this is an important uh, aspect. Oh,
1: sustainable. That's the last part. All right. (laughs) Accessible, affordable, and sustainable. And we hope to do that through petitioning the unions to make it easier to stream because the agreements in the US make it very prohibitive right now. Mm -hmm. And also to create a place where people can find this information because what we're learning is that People are really excited for streamed theater, especially since the pandemic, and but they don't know where to find it,
0: mm-hmm. unless
1: they kind of know all oh, this particular theater my local theater happens to be streaming this thing, yeah. but we we want to make it more available to people.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, with everything that's going on, it is the perfect time. For people to start looking into it and exploring it, and, and not just now because we're in the pandemic, we're all stuck at home and we want to see theater, but beyond, um, because I agree, live streaming theater is so important because it, it opens up uh, possibilities, opportunities, not just for the performers to you know make money afterwards, but you know if I'm living in um, you know Singapore. I'm not going to see a Broadway show. I'm not going to see some of these shows, but now the opportunity is there and, and help the shows grow. Um, so and congratulations the flip side of that, up with that. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, the flip side of that is that, you know, those of us in that are fortunate to live close to the big centers like New York or London mm-hmm. or Toronto, that- we can access shows far away from us. So throughout the pandemic, I've been watching shows like from Korea and Japan Mm -hmm. and Russia and the Philippines and stuff from Australia and from Canada and all across the US. And that's really exciting to me because it de-centers the um, like the Broadway West End model, which those things are great, and we we all like. Of course, I love Broadway, and of course, I love the West End. But there's so much happening outside of those places, and the innovative new stuff is happening outside of those centers.
0: Musical theater is a global thing. It's not just West End. It's not just Broadway, which a lot of people think is the be all and end all. And yes, you're right. Like, there's great stuff on, on both of them because they are the pinnacle. But you know what? There's great stuff everywhere, and people deserve and, and need to discover these. So, so so how, how can people get involved um, with uh, with casts?
1: Sure. So the first thing to do would be to visit our website consortium american streamed theater weebly, and uh, you can um, there's a tab to join us and you'll fill out a survey that will ask you how you would like to be involved. And um, we are also, I don't know when this episode is going out, we're hosting a town hall (laughs) on um, Sunday, June 16th, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And we will, sorry, what am I talking about? January. Jude is so far away. <laughs> um, January 7th January sixteenth at eleven a.m. Eastern, and we will definitely be hosting more of those town hall events. So stay posted, and hopefully, with Jean-Paul's uh, amazing virtual theater, we'll be involved. So stay tuned.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but you know what? It's still important whether it's today, tomorrow, next month, next year. This is, you know what? I, I think this is a fantastic thing, and I, I'm, I'm. So happy I was able to meet you and, and get in on the the ground floor of this and and be you know let's like make start a revolution um, from within and and make a difference and I think if you are creators or actors or producers anybody who's listening right now this is super important because it affects you all all you listeners um even just the regular Joe Schmo and Jane Schmo you know you're gonna be able to see stuff that you you know you might not have seen before so. Um, yeah, I, I I love what you're doing and and yeah, that's fantastic and congratulations.
1: Thank you. We're just so excited because like we say it, you know, it opens up theater. It provides access to people who might not otherwise be able to get there, you know, for reasons of cost or geography or disability, childcare, you know, there's so many reasons why people can't get to the theater. And this is a way to help those people get to the theater and, what the research shows is that streams encourage people to go to real life in-person theater. Mm -hmm. And that's really exciting too. So it's not a replacement for in-person theater. It's a supplemental way to enjoy it. It's a different way to enjoy it. And just quickly, the research on that shows that people watching a stream or watching a theater via cinema have just as much an emotional reaction and connection to what's happening on stage as people who are there in person. Yeah. So we know that theater lovers know that. <laughs> we yeah, just have sure. to convince people that this is this is the future. It's you know it's going to change branding and income and it's going to provide extra income for all the artists involved.
0: Yeah. It's it's theater will never go away. It, it, theater is life. And and that's how we all want to see it. And I don't understand people's thoughts that, oh, the streaming will will stop people from going. Uh, Bootlegs never stopped people from going to the theater. You know, it it makes them want to go more to see what they've seen.
1: The same arguments happened when radio became a thing, like, oh, radio is gonna kill in person. And then yeah. it happened when television was invented. Oh, television is gonna kill live theater. And then yeah. when records, um, cast albums became a thing, original recordings, cast recordings. Yeah. Oh, we can't have a cast recording. You're giving away the show. People won't come anymore. What is the number one thing that people buy when they go to a show? The cast recording. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> I know it's you're onto something fantastic. And I look forward to joining you on this journey forward into wherever it, it takes us. Um, what, how do they, people check out your website? What's the website for filmed live musicals?
1: Filmed live And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
0: Awesome. Uh, Louisa, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about your, yourself, your, your career, your life, and, and all the many things that, that you are uh, helping people discover with the, the you know, uh, filmed live musicals and the cast as well. Um, but before we go, I always ask three questions of my guests. Now there's no right or wrong answer, but um, you might give a wrong answer, depending on what people think. But, but <laughs> don't be scared, don't be scared. We'll, we'll throw a, a nice softball uh, at you or lava cricket ball, maybe. Is that better for being in Australia? Um, I, I love watching cricket I'm gonna to to say that right now it's I love watching it I don't know how you feel about it some people might not be a fan but
1: I, I'm not a fan of watching but I, I did play in high school it's a uh, lot of fun
0: I would love to do that one day but that's a whole sidebar <laughs> a whole side tangent okay question number one what creator or team within musical theater has had a great influence on you Now, it could be a composer, lyricist, director, producer, actor, even stage manager. Could be somebody famous or not famous, like a teacher. Is there anybody in musical theater that's that's had a big influence on you?
1: Hmm. I think, well, of course, Julie Andrews, to start off with. Mm -hmm. I grew up obsessively watching Mary Poppins, like, I would play it and then rewind it and watch it again. And so I I feel like she's family. (laughs) And Doris Day would be another one. Uh, The Pajama Game was the first time I saw a woman who was really sassy and was in charge and romance didn't come first. And I was really drawn to that. And then on a personal note, my high school drama teacher, uh, Mr. Harrison, and music teacher, Ms. Boyle, uh, they saw something in me that I didn't know I had yet, and were so kind and nurturing and gave me so many opportunities that uh, were very important to me. That helped form me, help form who I am.
0: Awesome! I love when when people mention the unsung heroes. You know what? Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people won't know who this is, but they're still important. And and you know everybody has one of those people in their lives that just doesn't get the recognition they deserve. So, one point. Awesome. So good roll. Good start. So, <laughs> question number two. We know you live in the States now, but is there one thing from Australia and one thing from the UK that you would wish was in the States that you just don't have there that you wish you could have?
1: Australian lollies or candy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are infinitely better than anything in the US. <laughs> I'm like all of it, freckles. There's an Australian um, chip, like um, crisps, potato chips, uh, called Tubes, T O O B S, Okay. And they're like a barbecue-y, yummy. I'm drooling thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I miss them. (laughs) So yeah, Australian, Australian (laughs) lollies.
0: Nice. Nice. See, there's so many things out there that we'll never get where we are. Like, I looked down at some of the stuff just in the States that I can't get here in Canada. And I'm like... Okay, when I go down, I got to try that. I got to try that. I got to try that.
1: (laughs) So You're reminding me to put in my order. There's a a company in Australia that does like flat shipping. You you can order up to like a hundred or a minimum of a hundred dollars worth of junk food and have it shipped. (laughs) (laughs) I think the time has come to put in an order.
0: Nice. I'm glad I could remind you of of that. (laughs) Correct answer. Another point. So question number three, the one we may judge you on, or I won't, but somebody might. We don't know food in the theater or cell phones in the theater, which are worse?
1: Uh, I've worked for a long time as an usher. Okay. And both, oh God. <laughs> I, I mean, what I have loved about the good thing about the pandemic is close. I mean, I, I feel bad for the food and beverage stuff because they're out of work, but not having food is so good. <laughs> you don't hear this constant rustling and chewing and so I but I understand like it is nice to you know have a drink and have a nibble and something while you're watching a show I understand it but people are the worst and uh cell phones I don't understand why people like I've watched at Harry Potter I ushered briefly at um the Broadway Cursed Child and someone was Snapchatting the show and I was like, okay, first of all, there's zero point to what you're doing because it's going to vanish in whatever the time thing yeah. is. And I just, I didn't like, I don't I just be there. I, it makes me crazy. So both, both are the worst.
0: <laughs> totally people agree. People are the worst. <laughs> people, people are the worst, aren't they? <laughs> you gave the correct Enough answer. That, sheesh. <laughs> is it- since you were an usher what like what was the worst thing that you saw like lying around you had to clean up because i that's why i hate food because for the ushers there's so much garbage out there but
1: well i've i haven't thankfully had to clean up anything horrible um but i did witness a couple (laughs) picking each other's noses (laughs) and it's just like is this actually happening? <laughs> you're you're in a public, sp- you're surrounded by 1,200 people and they were literally picking each other's nose.
0: Each other's? Not even the room? Yes,
1: no, it was disgusting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I got nothing on that one. <laughs> <coughs> three out of three, I, I'd wanna give you an extra point for the nose thing, but I, I, I just can't. <laughs> Sorry, you had to ensure everybody
1: wins. Everybody wins.
0: (laughs) Congratulations! There's no prizes, but you can brag to everybody in Australia and that you know you were the winner here on the (laughs) stage. Um, Louisa, thank you again so much for coming on and talking about um, you know, everything that you're doing, and uh, best of luck with it. And I look forward to um, you know, being a part of this journey with you. um, Thank you,
1: likewise super excited to have you aboard.
0: Awesome. So we were just speaking with Louisa Lyons from uh, Filmed Live Musicals, the website, as well as Consortium of American Streamed Theater. Uh, definitely check out those websites. Um, if you love watching musicals, and if you want to get involved with streaming musicals in for the, the foreseeable future. Join us next week as we'll be speaking with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion that is musical theatre. I am your host as always, Jean-Paul Jovanov and until next time, I'll see you when I see you.